0: Nobody questions things in this country anymore. Nobody wants to rock the boat. It's all bullshit, folks. It's all bullshit, and it's bad for you. But we believe them because they're pounded into our heads from the time we're children. Children should be taught to question everything. To question everything they read,
1: everything they hear. You're listening to Question Culture History Edition with Brian and Lornette. On these special History Edition episodes, we discuss American history using A People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn as our guide. On this episode, we will be continuing our discussion of Chapter 13, The Socialist Challenge. How's it going, Lornette?
0: Hey, Brian. Hello, everybody. Uh, Thanks for getting the listens in. Uh, Thanks for the reviews. Uh, If you have not reviewed us, and you're listening to this episode and you've listened to all 72 or 73, or this is your first time ever listening to Question Culture and you like it, um, yeah, uh, give us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google, and um, yeah, so more people can find out what we're talking about, uh, what we're all about. And you can check me out on Twitter at Uh You can check me out on, on, on the Innovative Capitalist thing, uh, threads, <laughs> just, just Twitter 2.0. Uh, you can find me there at Evolve Man, LBV as well. Um, you can also check me out at Lord Vesto on the Book of Faces. Last but not least, you, if you are going on vacation this summer, want some light reading, sci-fi fantasy type stuff, and you're into that, check out my novel series, Even the Faders and I Am the Alphas, uh, written by my lovely co-host, Renita Haynes, who is a guest star on our Supreme Court episode, because she in her day job she's an attorney but her her non day job she's an author and a pretty good one so uh check that out if you got some good reading and speaking of good reading um more uplifting history to talk about brian
1: <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna start with a good one um typically on these history distant episodes, I don't read more than like a paragraph you know i don't I don't want this to be an uh, you can if you wanna you know listen to the book you could uh um Oh my God, get the audio book. Yes, you could get the the uh, audio book. Um, so typically we just kind of like to use it as a guide, kind of read paragraphs here and there and kind of ta- discuss them, what it was like back then, how it compares to now. Um, but in this chapter, he talks about a major event in U.S. history um, that got, to- got termed the Ludlow Massacre. And it kind of... Um, it blows my mind that this isn't talked about in history class, and it's, it's, uh, he dedicates about two pages in the book to it, and I think it's important for everyone just to know what actually happened. Um, so in this case, I am actually uh, just real quick going to read the, the directly out of the book for a little bit here um, so you have a com- complete understanding of what happened. Shortly after Woodrow Wilson took office, there began in Colorado one of the most bitter and violent struggles between workers and corporate capital in the history of the country. This was the Colorado coal strike that began in September 1913 and culminated in the Ludlow Massacre of April 1914. Eleven thousand miners in southern Colorado. Mostly foreign born Greeks, Italians, and Serbs worked for the Colorado Fuel and Iron Corporation, which was owned by the Rockefeller family. Aroused by the murder of one of their organizers, they went on strike against low pay, dangerous working conditions, and feudal domination of their lives in towns completely controlled by the mining companies. Mother Jones, at this time an organizer for the United Mine Workers, came into the area, fired up the miners with her oratory and helped them in those critical first months of the strike until she was arrested, kept in a dungeon-like cell, and then forcibly expelled from the state. When the strike began, the miners were immediately evicted from their shacks in the mining towns. Aided by the United Mine Workers Union, they set up tents in nearby hills and carried on the strike, the picketing from these tent colonies. The gunmen hired by the Rockefeller interests, the Baldwin-Felts detective agency, using gatling guns and rifles raided the tent colonies. The death list of the miners grew, but they hung on, drove back an armored train in a gun battle, and fought to keep out strike breakers. With the miners resisting, refusing to give in, the mines not able to operate, the Colorado governor, referred to by a Rockefeller mine manager as Our Little Cowboy Governor, called out the National Guard, with the Rockefellers supplying the guard's wages. The miners at first thought that the guard was sent to protect them and greeted its arrival with flags and cheers. They soon found out that the guard was there to destroy the strike. The guards brought strike breakers in under the cover of night, not telling them that there was a strike. Guardsmen beat miners, arrested them by the hundreds, and still the miners refused to give in. When they lasted through the cold winter of 1913 to 1914, it became clear that the extraordinary measures would be needed to break the strike. In in April 1914, two National Guards companies were stationed in the hills overlooking the largest tent colony of strikers, the one at Ludlow, housing a 1,000 men, women, and children. On the morning of April 20th, a machine gun attack began on the tents. The The miners fired back. Their leader, a Greek named Lou Tikas, was lured up into the hills to discuss a truce. They shot to death, then shot to death by a company of National Guardsmen. The women and children dug pits beneath the tents to escape the gunfire. At dusk, the guard moved down from the hills with torches, set fire to the tents, and the families fled into the hills. 13 people were killed by gunfire. The following day, a telephone linesman going through the ruins of Ludlow Tent Colony lifted an iron cot covering a pit in one of the tents and found the charred, twisted bodies of 11 children and two women. This became known as the Ludlow Massacre. The news spread quickly over the country. In Denver, the United Mine Workers issued a call to arms, gathered together for defensive purposes all arms and ammunitions legally available. 300 armed strikers marched from other tent colonies into the Ludlow area, cut telephone and telegraph wires, and prepared for battle. Railroad workers refused to take soldiers from Trinidad to Ludlow. At Colorado Springs, 300 Union miners walked off their jobs and headed for the Trinidad district, carrying revolvers, rifles, and shotguns. In Trinidad itself, miners attended a funeral service for the 26 dead at Ludlow. They walked from the funeral to nearby building where arms were being stacked for them. They picked up rifles and moved into the hills, destroying mines, killing mine guards, exploding mine shafts. The press reported that the hills in every direction seemed suddenly to be alive with men. In Denver, 82 soldiers in a company on a troop train headed for Tr- Trinidad refused to go. The press reported... The men declared they were not engaged in the shooting of women and children. They hissed the 350 men who did start and shouted impersonations at them. 5,000 people demonstrated in the rain on the lawn in front of the state capitol at Denver, asking that the National Guard officers at Ludlow be tried for murder, denouncing the governor as an accessory. The Denver Cigar Makers Union voted to send 500 armed men to Ludlow and Trinidad. Women, Unite, the women in the United Garment Workers Union in Denver announced 400 of their members had volunteered as nurses to help the strikers. All over the country there were meetings and demonstrations. Pickets marched in front of the Rockefeller office and 26 Broadway in New York City. A minister protested in front of the church where Rockefeller sometimes gave sermons and was clubbed by the police. The, you know, the New York Times carried an editorial on the events in Colorado, which were now attracting international attention. The Times' emphasis was not on the atrocity that had occurred, but on the mistake in tactics that had been made. In an editorial on the Ludlaw Massacre began, Somebody blundered. Two days later, with the miners armed and the hills of the mine district, the Times wrote, With the deadliest weapons of civilization in the hands of savage minded men, there can be no telling to what lengths the war in Colorado will go on unless it is quelled by force. The president should turn his attention from Mexico long enough to take stern measures in Colorado. The governor of Colorado asked for federal troops to restore or order, and Woodrow Wilson complied. This accomplished this accompli- was accomplished and the strike petered out congressional committees came in and took thousands of pages of testimony the union was not one the union had not won recognition 66 men women and children had been killed not one militiaman or mine guard had been indicted in the crime so i'll admit the the First, So this is the second time I've been reading through this book, and the first time the whole book was kind of a mindfuck, so I I didn't really, like, key in on this one incident. But now rereading it and reading about what happened, I cannot fuck—I mean, I can believe it, but it is unbelievable that this isn't taught to every U.S. citizen. That basically thousands of Colorado citizens—like, the government was at war with the people of the state of Colorado— And And the government was
0: at war with the state of people, the state of Colorado on behalf of corporations. Yes. So that, that's what when when I try to talk to you try to have dialogue with so-called liberals on, on Twitter and that's just a useless endeavor. But even in in real life, because you meet these conservatives, meet these liberals and the conservatives like government's a problem. Big business needs to just be onto his own devices. And that's fucking bullshit. And the liberals are like, you know, the government's good and it's the you know corporations that are evil. And I'm like, the government and corporations work hand in hand um, to in fact and exact the will of the corporations. And this is a prime example on uh, this um, this um, Ludlow massacre where they sent in the fucking National Guard. And then the people but well, the fuck I think about it is the people first greeted them, the National Guard has like heroes like oh yes they're coming to protect us from the the fucking company who's sending police to fucking beat us down and shit like that and shoot us
1: yeah it's it's so sad you could tell um they were naive to history that they would think that the national guard would be there to side with the people but i think a lot of people even nowadays would think that you know like oh the government's here because people always talk about how like they think the government's going to keep them safe And it's like, the government will always side with corporations, like throughout our history, like 10 times out of 10, 100 times out of 100, they'll side with the corporations because that's the side that has all the money. They're not going to, you know, like Immortal Immortal Technique said, "Your working class money ain't fucking with me. And it's so so true. And it's, it's just so, this is kind of like the knowledge that I think like your average liberal. I mean, I'm not talking about like liberal politicians. They're they're paid to be puppets, but like the average American citizen who considers themselves liberal, who, you know, wants equal rights, you know, protections for minorities, things like that. I don't think they realize like the boot that is on their neck and the, the way that violence is used to uphold this system. I think they kind of have a rose, rose-colored version
0: of reality. And yeah and can't... the thing is we're not too far removed from that Brian though that's the thing <laughs> no, I think because we're on like to when it. they were when the, the Amazon workers were organizing in um I forget the town of Alabama, but they were being accosted by the police there mm-hmm. the The government always sends out their right hands of the oppressor to maintain the status quo in business and that's why I always think libertarians are fucking idiots um and I will say that again and again i'll die I'll gladly die on that fucking hill. Because they're always like, no, the government's the problem. I hate the government. But the fucking business in this country. And I'm talking about American libertarians and their critical mass. They basically run our fucking society. I mean, you know, along with the crazy neoconservatives and religious right. They basically have major control in this country. And in the conservative Democrats, or I call them the Reagan Democrats. We have one in the White House right now, Joe Biden. Because um, he's a Reagan Democrat. That's what he is. I don't. They can be like he's a decent man. He's FDR 2.0. They fucking that uh, at all. Um, but anyway, they were fucking. They were they were moderating um, protesters and uh, well uh, organizers. They were basically doing Amazon's bidding. The police in that city, in that town, when the, when the workers were organizing. So it's not like the, the the police or national guard when the government sends in their goons. They are not there to protect. The the, the 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 citizens. What you think in a, in, a, in a normal in a world that makes sense? That's what they would be. I mean, that's mm-hmm. part of the reason I only did four years in the, in the navy, because I quickly realized during Operation Iraqi Freedom, we're not fighting you know for freedom and democracy and and spreading you know and fighting the evil terrorists. We were expanding the portfolios of Halliburton, Black BlackRock, General Dynamics, and fucking um, Boeing. All right, we were we were making we were we were making money for companies weapon contractors and defense contractors and then can redo their nation rebuilding and install their puppet governments so they can rob the resources and pay those install puppet leaders whatever money they can while the people of those countries don't benefit anything and get completely fucked that's what we were doing what
1: Well, that's the great myth. I mean, if there's probably, you know, there's been hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who joined the military, because they, you know, most people join the military do it for financial reasons. But there are those people that think they're doing, you know, they're doing it because like, the military protects freedom and protects its citizens. When, you know, in (laughs) when, in reality, that's, you know, not the case a majority of the time. And what was kind of also very scary about this Ludlow massacre, and I it's scary because I see it repeating to this day, is the use of like private mercenary groups to oh, like yeah. kill and attack American citizens with no judicial recourse whatsoever Not at all! So, so like and I remember seeing that when um, when the uh, Native Americans were protesting um, what was the Standing Rock Yes, at stand- when they were protesting at Standing Rock, um the, the the pipeline company hired like these people to like you atta- have like attack dogs and like see- seek them on the protesters and stuff. And it's like it's just it shows you the power of these corporations and how there's no how the government is just in lockstep with them. Because in what world if I hired a guy a guy to get a dog to attack my neighbor i would go to fucking jail that would be assault and who knows what other charges oh yeah but these corporations do it all the time again and again throughout history and it's and there's you know they never any punishment for it so like the corporations use every form of violence at their disposal. First, they'll try the police and these private contractors. If that doesn't work, then they bring in the National Guard. And then, you know, eventually, sometimes it even, you know, in this case, it comes to, like, where troops are brought in to, to straight up kill these people. And it's it's very scary because I think it can start happening again because we're seeing even another wave of unionization now yeah. um, and strikes and things. Oh, yeah. You got so, the
0: UPS strike going on. You got the um, screenwriters and now the actors. Uh, they're striking. Um, it, it, I think there's some more nurses' strikes going on. You had the organizing of uh, Amazon and meat packing plants. So there's been the one good thing that has come out of the um, COVID-19 pandemic, and there's been a lot of bad things. Uh, more rise in fascism, um, no universal healthcare still. <laughs> um, all, all these, at least we said, fuck essential workers. We are all talking about raising the minimum wage. And Jim Crow Drew has not even did the bare minimum, and I know that the liberals were like well, Manchin and Cinema wouldn't allow him. And I'm just saying, Manchin and Cinema are 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 Democrats, and then you liberals tell us that voting for Joe Biden, not 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 Bernie, because the Democrat Party wouldn't work with Bernie, and Joe Biden can work with Republicans, because Joe Biden technically is a Republican, but. It's all a game. It's all lies. Behind the scenes, they're all friends, friends with each other and colleagues, and they go have drinks and shit out there and do cocaine, lots of cocaine, <laughs> behind the scenes. <laughs> but it, but, it, but on TV, on MSNBC and Fox News, they're all enemies. Like, we just can't agree with them. But every time it's time to you know raise the defense budget, they bipartisan support. So when there's this bipartisan shit, it means working people are getting fucked. And one thing that struck me in this is... Not just the the National Guard and these private mercenaries attacking these folks, but the media always being on the wrong side of history. The fucking New York Times. The New York Times, sometimes they do okay journalism, but they have always been on the wrong fucking side of history. And Especially with anything war
1: related or anything... Anytime the military is involved, like, the New York Times reports the opposite of the truth.
0: But even even here, the New York Times reported basically quashing this fucking workers' rebellion. Them trying to unionize for their fucking livelihood because they were fucking miners and they were getting black money and probably fucking dying and shit in those mines. It was probably dangerous conditions. And they were getting completely fucked by this company. But the governor, governor of Colorado at the time was in the pocket of big business. Oh, big surprise. Because they're all in the pocket of big business. (laughs) But the New York Times editorial review wrote um, with the deadliest weapons of civilization in the hands of savage-minded men, there can be no telling what lengths the war in Colorado will go unless it is quelled by force. The president should turn his attention from Mexico long enough to take stern measures in Colorado. So the fucking New York Times is advocating that the government go fucking violently quash a workers' rebellion rebellion. So the New York Times continues to show throughout its entire lengthy history that they have always been on this side of the powerful and the elite. And they are not a new they are not a newspaper or news source for the working class and the proletariat and the people.
1: It reminds me of that quote that when the business, when um, when the rich rob the, the poor, it's called business, and when the poor fight fight back, it's called violence. Of course, and that's ex- that's exactly how this New York Times comes across. Like these savage-minded men. Oh, these savage minded men who don't don't want, you know, who want to make a, a basic living enough to, to survive and to live with some dignity. Oh, my God. How savage minded is that?
0: I know. And not to mention at this time, it wasn't just men who were arming themselves. And at that, you know, the camp, it was women and children and the National Guard massacred women and fucking children, just like they did at Wounded Knee with Native Americans. They did it with their own citizens. So this is the thing about like racism in this country. And I think he, he gets into that a little earlier in this chapter. So um, we can probably can, can talk about those two. But this division of between races. So these are you know, poor working class white folks who got massacred just like those indigenous people at Wounded Knee by the National Guard. Just like the indigenous people got screwed over by uh, Andrew Jackson back in the day, the Cherokee Nation. When they fought in the Spanish-American War and when they fought on the side of the USA, and he said they would leave their land alone. And then after that, once they won, once the United States won that war, we were like, ah, sorry, Cherokee Nation, we we lied to you. We're gonna take your land now. It's for us, and we're gonna fucking do the trail of tears and you guys are gonna we can give you some shitty land in Oklahoma and I shut the fuck up. Um, which is like fucked up. Um, but just like they lied to the slaves during the uh, first American Revo- the American Revolution. Said that, you know, if slaves fought for the, um, the American army, well, I guess what they called the, um, the Union Jack. I don't know what they call it. I, I'm, I'm going braid dead on that particular aspect of history. But um, the side against the British, if you sided with the Americans um, as a slave or as a black person, you would get your freedom. And they lied about that because they were like, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> we have this kind of constitution. But I know we said all men are created equal, but, you know, we're talking about rich white land-owning men. <laughs> um. So earlier, in the, so to go about like you see how these folks in Colorado were done, and then we talk and he talks about the um, beginning, the middle of this chapter about this rise of socialism, which is pretty pretty uh, astonishing. But how, uh, and I see this as an issue even today with the but the Bernie Sanders movement and and people looking to be leftists. There is a disconnect because there are folks who are like, well. social, If we just establish a socialist um, society, everything will be better without looking at the material conditions and the history. Um, You have to deal with sexism. You have to deal with racism. All these isms that we have created as people, Um, at the end of the day, I believe these isms are stupid. Um, But what I believe is neither here nor there, the reality on the ground is that there is separations between people. Um, because of their gender, because of their class, because of their race. Um, but the thing is, we all would have a much more united front if we put aside those differences and address all those differences so we all could be treated equally, because then we'd be a united front and these fuckers couldn't be able to divide and conquer. Exactly. that
1: we've That's happened, he's pointed that out several times in the book where there's been unions that didn't let in black people or didn't let in women, and those unions were destined to fail. But the ones that allowed everyone in were much more successful, and obviously that's the case because if it's a numbers game, you know we're not outnumbered, we're out organized, so you need the numbers. So if you're if you're, you know, turning people away, then you're destined to lose. Um, So hopefully we'll uh, keep that idea going for the future. That hopefully people will learn that lesson um, because we're going to need it now in the next coming decades. But it was interesting to me. I liked because, you know, this is the early 1900s. So we have this socialist wave and we also have this new wave of fem- feminism and this fight for, um, for voting rights for women. And it was fun to kind of see the internal discussions um, amongst women about this topic. Like, should we should we be promoting socialism will socialism lead to rights for women or should we be focusing more on getting the vote and then getting the vote will you know if if women are allowed you know allowed to vote and things then socialism is like to ha- happen and it was kind of cool to 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 see the back and forth internally, uh, internally in the different movements um and it, it's really awesome too to see how you know I don't know why. It's just like with people of the past, sometimes you think like, oh, because they don't have the technology that like we do now that they're like somehow inferior, but they're exactly the same as we were. And it's like really cool to see how smart some of these people and a lot of these women were. Um, And I just want to read a cool kind of exchange. Howard Zinn writes, Charlotte Perkins Gilman, whose writings emphasize the crucial question of economic equality between the sexes wrote a poem called the socialists and the suffragists ending with quote a lifted world lifts women up the socialists explained you cannot lift the world at all while half of it is kept so small the suffragists maintained the world awoke and tardily spoke your work is all the same work together or work apart work each of you with all your heart just get into the game and when susan uh, anthony at 80 went to hear eugene debs speak uh they clapped clasped hands warmly they had a brief exchange she said laughing give us suffrage and we'll give you socialism debs replied give us socialism and you will get suffrage and so it's just kind of funny to see that it reminded me a lot of like the internal discussions at extinction rebellion where it's like we understand capitalism is the cause of this environmental collapse but like You know, capitalism and socialism is so divisive. So, should we focus on like, hey, let's, you know, work on need. You know, we need to clean up the environment, and then hopefully people would start to connect the dots. Like, oh, the reason that the environment's so fucked up is because we have a system of exploitation. And I don't know. It just reminded me of a lot of those like internal debates at at activist meetings and things.
0: No, I I think you're right, and uh, and this just shows you that the need of solidarity. It's so important because without it, um, the people are divided and fail. And and I and I hate this whole this kind of thinking nowadays that we have where we can only do one thing at a time. Like if you if you talk about like the corruption of the political system, we kind of know where the conservative arguments are going to be. But um, I I like to beat up on liberals because they always like to think they're on the right side of history. Um, And and they're not at all. Uh, (laughs) Most times they're not. Um, they always get to the, they always get there like 10, 15 years later. Um, like their, their, their boy Obama, when he became president and asked him about gay marriage, he was like, I'm evolving on it. What the fuck does it even mean? I'm evolving on it. (laughs) They'll say either. You like you, you like you agree that fucking at the LGBT community, if folks in the LGBT community want to fucking get married, just like the straights, then go ahead and they can, you know, fucking have arguments about what they're going to eat at every night And raise kids and deal with like mortgages and bills and, and, and all the shit that comes with marriage, good and bad and everything in between. Um, they want to do that. Shit. Who cares? (laughs) It's just a fucking, it's just, it's, it's, it's some things we created. It's just some shit we created. I mean, I think, I personally think marriage is, if you think about it objectively, it's kind of strange. You're like, Hey, person not having relations with. You want to get together and like live until we die, <laughs> and all in the meantime we have children and, and buy a house or like and get an apartment and and reproduce you know copies of us and get old and croak for the rest of our lives. <laughs> and you're like, sure, I love this idea. I, I mean, is, is it on? A, so, if, if the LGBT community wants to do that, fine. But it always shows that like these liberals are on the wrong side of history. So, with this solidarity? you saw the women's movement of that time, which led to the suffrage movement, which women got the right to vote, um, they knew that revolution and change would not come without everybody being equal. And it was a double burden for, for black women. And I think um, he has a, a quote in his um, chapter, because not only did the um, women have to, black women had to deal with the fact of like racism, but they also had to deal with the fact of like, um, of sexism and racism. So it was like a double, a double whammy, for um, black women. And he says um, black women face double of, of, of oppression. And um, she and the quote goes: We poor colored women earners in the South are fighting a terrible battle. On one hand, we are assailed by black men who should be our natural protectors, and whether in the whether in the cook kitchen. Or at the washtub over the sewing machine, behind the baby carriage or the ironing board, we are but little more than pack horses, beast of burden, slaves. And then he went on to talk about this kind of period um, from the 1900s to the 1920s, which um, I've heard this before, but called the NADAR uh, of um, black history, because it was between 1910, um, it was like, 10 million black folks in the United States 9 million of them the, in the South and it was a massive amount of lynchings and race riots at this time and we had multiple presidential administrations that watched black folks suffering and absolutely did nothing politically while these things were happening and and also, it was a lack of solidarity, unfortunately. He talks about the Negro- there were Negroes in the Socialist Party, but the Socialist Party did not go much out of their way to act on the race question.
1: I don't think, because I was thinking about the, because that part stuck out to me too, like how horrific this time period was for for black citizens. And it got me thinking about how powerful knowledge is, because You start to see, and I'll get into it a little bit, like uh, Eugene V. Debs, um, or not Debs, um, uh, W.V. Du Bois. um, Du Bois? Du Bois? How do you say his name? You can say Du Bois
0: or Du Bois. Yeah. Du Bois if you're French, Du Bois if you're But so he was maybe
1: what, like, the second black, the famous black intellectual behind, like, Frederick Douglass. And it just got me thinking about how, like... Like the early 1900s was so soon, you know, and like slaves weren't allowed to read in things. And so this was so soon after that. I don't think they you, you mentioned the lack of organizing. And I think that comes from knowledge. And I think as slavery ended and, and black citizens began to be able to read and organize real effectively, I think that really started to really Form like after World War II or during World War II into the 50s and 60s that led to the civil rights. Where like during this period, you still had the it was so close to slavery and it was so you you know there was a lot fewer and far between these these black intellectuals like they were rare and it was like you but you kind of see it forming where they're starting to because you see the formation of the NAACP too. So this is kind of the period. Things are still so horrific, but you can kind of see that knowledge base forming that I think ultimately leads to the, the really powerful civil rights movements in the 50s and 60s.
0: Yeah, and, and the it's, and it's, it's sad thing is it seems like the only union um, that kind of in this time could capitalize on that, that, that solidarity across the color line and the gender line, because we were talking about sexism and racism, um, was the Wobblies. Because um, their whole mm-hmm. slogan was one big union. Um, and, and the fact that they included so-called unskilled worker, which I, I think is absolutely a bullshit term because, like, all work requires some type of skill. Like,
1: absolutely. Like, it all takes practice. You got to yeah. keep practicing it to get good exactly. at it. Exactly. Absolutely.
0: Now, whether you're a, a cook at McDonald's or you're a cook at a five-star Michelin-rated uh, restaurant, um, it still takes some skills to fucking make some food that people are going to eat, even if that food is, like, terrible for you. And you can get some terrible food at five-star restaurants too. Don't get it twisted. Um I, I like
1: uh it's funny to reading this history, all the dumb people on the wrong side of history, all this stupid shit they said <laughs> cuz like you cuz you see that it like happened nowadays too, but it's like I I enjoy like there was this he tells this story of like I, I don't know if it was the New York Times again, it was another journalist who was like, oh, if women get the right to vote, they'll lose their femininity. Oh, I and know. I- I'm like,
0: what the fuck? I just it- like, always... It's it's just like, if, if you know, if you... It's just like the shit they say nowadays. All type of crazy shit. Like, mm-hmm. um, despite the reality. Like, climate change is a hoax. It's, it's just a really hot summer, Brian. It's like, yeah. like it's, it's tornadoes in places that is usually not tornadoes. There's like 125 degrees in fucking Phoenix. Heat waves in Europe. Heat waves across Asia. The ocean is boiling literally in fucking Florida. But it's just a really hot summer.
1: It's hazy here again in Illinois. Like I honestly feel like half the summer has just been shrouded in haze.
0: Yeah. And this is and it's been dry as shit. Like it's been no mm-hmm. rain really. It looks like it's gonna rain and it's not. So it's like. The rain isn't going to offer reprieve because even down here in the Georgia, we're impacted by those that fire smoke because we have bad air quality. So now in the morning, if I want to go for a run or some shit like that, I really probably not healthy for me to do that because fucking going outside is bad. the air quality is shit because of these fires. So, yeah, stupid things back then. And, and unfortunately, we have the Americans, they still have a critical mass of idiots um, in, in this society today.
1: I do like to the response that one of the uh, suffragettes um, gave to this. So you know, this asshole from I don't know this New York Times somewhere said that uh, giving them the vote they would lose femininity, and this woman Rose Schneiderman uh, gave this response. She said, "Women in the laundries stand for thirteen to fourteen hours in the terrible steam and heat with their hands in hot starch." Surely these women won't lose any more of their beauty and charm by putting a ballot in a ballot box once a year than they are likely to lose standing in foundries or laundries all year round. I thought that was just such a fucking awesome, badass response.
0: And what also is awesome, we talk about like some of the history that we don't learn. And we definitely don't learn this history, because we always hear about socialism and communism, and it's always buzzwords for the, the GOP and the libertarians to be like, oh my god, that's socialism! And then you know you ask someone what's an average american what socialism is and they're like socialism is an, well everything is the same yeah and you can't make any money yeah it sucks and it's like well mm-hmm. you can't make any money in so-called capitalist society because you're making minimum wage in fact twitter has gotten such a successful that there was a woman who tweeted out she's a, a single mother two children lives in one of these cities where the rent is too damn high makes $16 an hour, makes two, has two jobs, and people are clowning this, this, this woman on Twitter by saying that the system is fucked up and it needs to be burned down because she wants a living wage. like She shouldn't have to have two jobs to support herself. And all these assholes in the comments are like, she should make better choices. Because all, all she tried to do is get food stamps, but she makes too much money for the food stamps but not enough money to, like, keep up with her bills and, and provide for her children and all this stuff. And people are like, what's her fault? Did she have kids? No, actually, she had fucking kids. But their baby don't pop out of nowhere. Only Mary was able to get away with that and be like, I'm pregnant, Joseph. Let's create a whole religion around it. <laughs> it's an immaculate conception. All right. A lot A lot of
1: rich people just want poor people to shut up and die.
0: But 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 this is the thing, though, Brian. These are just average. These are regular citizens on, on his Twitter going in on her. Some of these are these asshole blue check marks and faux blue check marks who pay Elon to be on Twitter. Which, if you're paying Elon Musk to be on Twitter, you're a fucking dumbass. Um, but I, I digress on that point. But these are like regular people who think one day they'll get invited to the party. So they're like, I worked hard and I made it. And it's like, dude, like, I like that's like that immortal technique, son. We'll go back to that. Your working class money ain't fucking with me. It's like, dude, like, you, even if you are upper middle class and you make you know, five hundred thousand dollars a year. That's that's better than a whole lot of fucking people. But the elites, the one percent, the billionaire class, they wipe their ass at that. They fucking spend that on their fucking like mistress and like a night in Vegas. All right, so fucking five hundred. That's nothing to them. They, they, they have way too much fucking money. So they're they're like, oh, you little peon. And and also people who make money like that. If you're not from a very rich family yourself, if you get fucking sick. Because we don't have healthcare in this, in, this, in this country. And you lose your job. Well, you're not going to be able to fucking afford that lifestyle anymore. You're going to lose your fancy car, your fancy house. And you're going to be fucking on the street. Or you're going to be like living with a family member. Um, basically shacking up like a lot of people are doing. Where multiple families are living under a household. Same household because people can't afford rents and stuff like that. So um, we talk about... I always like to talk about another world as possible. And it seemed like at the turn of the century, um, what we we keep talking about, like the socialism, communism, and getting back to my original point. Um, so they all say socialism doesn't work. No one believes in it. Blah, 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 blah. But the turn of the century, he actually had, it wasn't just like crazy Bernie. <laughs> and he's crazy because he wants to give people health care. I know. Oh my God. So insane. Um, never talked about the military industrial complex, but that's another conversation. But, they talk too about many it. weapons
1: so- contractors in Vermont. Exactly. <laughs> but he
0: talked about the the at the turn of the century um, when Eugene Debs was, so became a socialist in jail during the Pullman strikes. And he now was a spokesman for the party that made him a presidential candidate five times. The party at one time had 100,000 members and had 1,200 office holders and 340 municipalities. It had a newspaper with a half a million subscribers. And there were many other socialist newspapers around the country. Altogether, perhaps a million people. And this is in the 1900s, so the the U.S. population was a lot smaller then. So this is a lot of fucking people. Red socialist press. And socialism moved out of small circles from city immigrants, Jewish and German socialists speaking their own languages, and became American. The strongest socialized socialist state organization was in fucking Oklahoma, which had 12,000 dues-paying members, more than New York State, and elected over 100 socialists to local and state office. So there were 55 socialist newspapers in Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, and summer encampments that drew thousands of people. So the most inspiring thing about this, because this is the discourse uh, since the rise of Bernie Sanders, and you can say if you heard this before, Brian, they, they, the, 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 the people who would be considered like us, leftists, and there's a lot of faux leftists out there, don't get it twisted, um, who are just disenchanted Democrats, um, they all talk about like these, ad, ad, these ideas and ideologies are too radical for like the South and the Southwest and like the so-called uber red, red states. And it's just like liberals turning nose at the red states. But just, you know, they they don't know any better down there. And oh my God. And that's someone who lives in a fucking red state. It's fucking people here too. It's just like it's fucking people in New York or Illinois. There's people in Georgia who agree with this shit. Bernie Sanders, at the time of his campaign, was pissing me off how he can sell out so hard to Biden. He could have just retired and just run out of G. If he didn't want to run Green Party, just fucking retire. Don't be sucking up to the Democrats. And they still hate you. And they still talk shit about him. Um, and he's just like bending over backwards. It's pretty pathetic. But anyway, he had the most small donors. And this is a New York Times reporting. And they, and this is one time they had to report the fucking truth. And they had to do a whole separate page and a half for all to, to track all his donors. And it wasn't just from one part of the country small donors. He is a political candidate. He had the most small donors of any political candidate that ran for president on the Democratic side in 2020 and 2019. And these are people from all across the country.
1: Well, well, I think it shows how badly our government has been seized by corporate power, because howard zinn was talking back at the you know the turn of the 20th century socialism was incredibly popular in the media and it showed in elections in the in the u.s there were like you mentioned there were a lot of socialists elected to offices at different levels throughout the government you see that same popularity with socialism and workers rights among the media like i know hassan piker who's like a leftist twitch streamer has like millions of followers and stuff yet i don't know there's like you know there there's uh uh, that one socialist politician in Seattle. But like, other than that, there's a like, Bernie got shut out like immediately. So it's like the, the the government has become very good at using the Democratic Party to blunt any of this third party movement or any, you know, like people always say the Democrats are where leftist movements go to die. Um, and it's very true, they become very effective. Um, and that kind of leads me into like the next point. That's why I prefer direct action to trying to change the system from within and doing things with electoral politics and i'm happy i saw uh helen keller in this chapter it seems like she agreed with me um i guess we should just start by like what an insanely like smart badass helen keller was like i felt so stupid (laughs) after learning about her because she was blind and deaf she learned to read in like three or four different languages so I'm like, holy shit, the fucking blind and deaf chick knows more languages than me. Like, yeah. How, how fucking sad is that? But um, she, he talks about in the book how at first when people like learned of her, like, oh, this amazing woman who could learn to read and write, even though she's blind and deaf. And like newspapers go or, you know, like, oh, my God, this amazing person. But as soon as she started to read more and became a socialist and started promoting socialist literature, then the media turned on her. And it's like, oh, this silly woman, you know, and just attacking oh, her yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And,
0: that, that's the thing. And you learn about Helen Keller, but you don't learn that she was a socialist until you get much older. I mean, now, she did have a downside. She kind she, of was a, a eugenist.
1: Really? I thought that was, uh, I didn't think that was Helen Keller. That was... Uh, no, that was no, it was it no, it was the other the other woman's rights activist. What was her name? Uh
0: Not Susan B Anthony.
1: No, not the other one. <laughs> There's a couple other ones. And not it was one of the
0: Not Mother Jones.
1: No, not Mother Jones. She was more of a femi- feminist suffragette who was the I think
0: I know who the, you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I, it wasn't Helen Keller. Well, we'll double check. We'll look that up, but I'm pretty. positive. We'll look it up, but so any. Was, but anyway, yeah. I,
0: I digress on the point. The point is, she was a a, a a car carrying member of the Socialist Party and a radical socialist, and was all about workers' rights and all this stuff. And 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 yeah, it was blind and deaf. And it, the thing is, just because she, you know she couldn't see or hear, doesn't mean that she was like an idiot or anything like that. And that's the thing. Right. So We mm-hmm. We we they're allies, and we and we talked about this on a uh, schizophrenic reads podcast about like um, how society is nowadays. And, and it's always been that way is if you're not like a so-called productive member of society, like meaning productive member of society means you go work for some company or organization and make them a whole bunch of money and power. And, and if you don't do that, you're not a productive member of society. But like if you're blind or you have some type of mental health, health illness or physically unable because some type of illness and you just and you can't work. Physically, you can't work. That doesn't mean that you're like not a value to the society or to your family or to your friends. There are plenty of people who um, uh, suffer from um, who had different um, disabilities and things of that nature who still made great contributions to our society. So we, we need to stop thinking of people as the only value they can have is if they can make someone else money. Or they make money themselves. Because that's like in the end of the day, <laughs> I like that uh, saying by the Cree Nation, only after the last tree has been cut down, only after the last river has been poisoned, only after the last fish has been caught, only then will you find money cannot be eaten.
1: Yep. Um, I did, I forgot to mention though, so I wanted to, uh, so Helen Keller was talking, she was kind of in this debate amongst the socialists and suffragists about like, should we all, our efforts, should we be focusing on socialism, fighting capitalism, or should we be work on getting the right to vote? And I think Helen Keller seemed more of like a socialist um, because she th- – this is directly from a, re- a letter she wrote to a friend in England in 1911. Um, Helen Keller writes, Our democracy is but a name. We vote? Question mark What does that mean? It means that we choose between two bodies of real, though not avowed, autocrats. We choose between Tweedledum and Tweedledee. You ask for votes for women. What good can votes do when 10 elevenths of the land of Great Britain belongs to 200,000 and only one eleventh to the rest of 40 million? Have your men with their millions of votes freed themselves from this injustice? And I thought that was so spot on. Oh, badass. And I, yeah, exactly. And I, I think about that all the time with like electoral politics, like we don't live in a system this isn't a real democracy so like to like focus on these votes i just think i think you're just wasting your time really um and it kind of reminds me of the martin luther king quotes where he wondered if he's assimilating his people into a burning building and i i kind of think it's the same thing you know where it's like I, i don't know there's there's a lot of gains that happen that seem so like you know, a lot of the civil rights movement, it lifted a few lucky black citizens into extreme wealth, you know, your Obamas, your LeBrons, Oprah's, things like that. But majority of people are still like left in poverty. And I kind of feel like that happened a little bit too, when women got the right to vote, where like, there was a, a few women who are allowed to ascend into, you know, the, the upper classes, but for the most part, you know, women still face the same. So, I I kind of think a change in an economic system is more than focusing on like representation within a system that doesn't give a fuck about <laughs> anyone. Exactly, like, they like have if money. Pete
0: Buttigieg yeah. ever becomes president, God help us all. You know, it's like oh my god, we have an LGBTQ president, so rights equality has been achieved. And it's like that that's the problem. That's that's my that's my strong critique of liberals is like their 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 principles is basically like. They want uh, representation, um, not actual, like, change where everybody has an opportunity to succeed. If it's just like, oh, we have a few women and a few black people and a few LGBTQ people in these, you know, high-ranking positions that used to just only be reserved for cis, straight, rich white men, then, you know, equality has been achieved. But if the masses of people who are part of those backgrounds are struggling, including, you know, cis white men, (laughs) then it doesn't mean shit. Because it's just like only a few people are benefiting. And now you just add a little more flavor to the people that benefit the most. But that's about it. And you can't be like, oh, that's equality. Um, democracy is a word that the people are starving. So I love the fact that Helen Keller basically called out the Republicans, the Democrats even back then. Tweedledee and Tweedledum because that's how I fucking feel about them. Because like, you know, I had all these people in 2020 be like, oh, Biden, 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 Biden. And it's like, have anybody like, his, his record is pretty open. I'm like, we know the piece of shit that he's been. And now that his boy Obama comes along, it's like, I gotta go vote for Joe Biden. I gotta stop Trump. And it's like, Trump is a piece of fucking shit. But that doesn't take the fact that Biden's a piece of shit. So you're going to the ballot and you get a piece of shit and a piece of shit with a cherry on top. At the end of the day, it's still a piece of shit. And if you're not a fly, you don't like shit. Well, dogs do eat poop too. So if you're not a fly and <laughs> puppy, yes, you're a cute little puppy, little Fido. They eat poop. And they lick you in the face. Just so you know that.
1: Um, another kind of thing that I just like shook my head when I was reading. It was like, oh god, liberals even back in the day. So I didn't, I didn't know this. I had forgotten this. But um, when the uh, the NA the uh, NAACP formed. NAACP. Um, in, NAACP in nineteen. Man, I can't. It's concussions. Fuck on me. I can't. I have no recall. And my recall memory is horrible. But um. When they formed in 1910, W.E.B. Du Bois was the only Black member. <laughs> oh else yeah, was fucking white, and it's just like, oh my god! Like even back then, it's like, oh, we need to help color, you know, uh, Black people. We as white people should be the ones to do that.
0: <laughs> we represent just, you. You're just you guys aren't there yeah, yet. Yeah, you guys, we was, just that's why you end up splitting for the NAACP, and that's why I kind of you know, they've done a, a, some good things in history. But they've been just reforms, and that's and I, it's a quote in this article, I meaning this chapter, where one of the persons is like, you know, we we need to, you know, he's talking about the leftists and like the socialist radicals, anarchists, um, communists. He's like, we need to keep pushing for the most to prove to the world that the 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 reformers are full of shit. So you know, you don't just settle for like, oh, I'm just because that's, that's that has was the thing I heard throughout the 2020 election. And I'm bringing it to modern times so some of our um, listeners can relate because a lot of this stuff is very parallel. You know, because during this time and at the turn of the, um, the, ni- the 19th century to the 20th century, early 20th century, the 1900s, um, as the Zoomers would say, the 1900s. <laughs> oh, Lord Ed Bryant, Brian, you were born in the 1900s. You're old. Yes, we are. But anyway... Um, there were reforms being made in the government. Um, they were trying to, basically, you had to beef with the capitalist class because you had the few that were like, let's give them a few crumbs so they can't you know, tear this whole thing down. And even and even that, even a few crumbs for some of these assholes is still too much. Because we remember the Supreme Court ruled that workmen's compensation was an affront to the corporations. The fucking, so yeah. this is the thing about the soul, and People are like, the Supreme Court that's a praying card as pure they've always been on the wrong side of history they had like a they had like a, a few years stretch like in the 90, late 50s to like the 60s where they had some decisions that were like it was only like a few of those decisions like oh brown versus of education that's not bad or that's a good that's the right side of history but for the most part throughout their history they have been on the wrong side of history And to be totally honest, the only Supreme Court justice, and I know this is really going to be controversy, that I fucking kind of respect, or do respect, is their good marshal. Not their little, like their little hero, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, because she was a racist asshole too, because she called Colin Kaepernick Mm -hmm. an idiot. And how can you be on the fucking Supreme Court of the United States to uphold the Constitution and you are criticizing a private citizen for standing up for their rights? When they had every fucking every right to. When every she also wrote
1: like some horrible shit about like Native Americans and stuff too. Oh yeah,
0: and she sided with corporations too. So she what well, type of hero she is? She, that's like, but that's religion. like a faux thing. It's like, oh, there's
1: a woman on the Supreme Court, so just that <laughs> is to be celebrated. Never, never mind what this woman actually thinks about the world and stands for. Just that she's a woman. That you know, that's great. As long as there's women is CEO of the military industrial complex, then it's great. You know.
0: Yes, because like I said, they can break that glass ceiling and the shards can fall down <laughs> on the black and brown <laughs> masses of the third world countries that we invade to take their resources or force them to work in mines to get cobalt for us. Shout out to uh, Tesla and, and Verizon with their cobalt mines in the Congo.
1: Well, he, he ends the chapter, I want to read a couple passages that I think Drive home this point that me and Larnette are always talking about this myth that like libertarians think that like the government is bad and corporations and businesses just need to be free. Not realizing that a very powerful centralized government is the consequence of powerful corporations. Powerful corporations create a powerful centralized government. That's the natural evolution, and he, I want to read a little bit, a couple of passages here where he kind of talks about the formation and how that works during this period. Um, Howard Zinn writes, "What gave it the name progressive was that new laws were passed." So he's talking about how this area of this socialist wave, a lot of very progressive legislature was passed. Uh, he continues, um, "Under Theodore Roosevelt, there was the Meat Inspection Act." The Hepburn Act to regulate railroads and pipelines, a pure food and drug act. Under Taft, the Mann-Elkins Act put telephone and telegraph systems under the regulation of the ICC, Interstate Commerce Commission. In Woodrow Wilson's presidency, the Federal Trade Commission was introduced to control the growth of monopolies, and the Federal Reserve Act to regulate the country's money and banking system. Under Taft were proposed the 16th Amendment to the Constitution, allowing a graduated income tax, and the 17th Amendment, providing for the election of senators directly by popular vote instead of by state legislatures, as originally the Constitution provided. Also at this time, a number of states passed laws regulating wages and hours, providing for safety inspections of factories and compensation for injured workmen. It was a time of public investigations aimed at soothing protest. In 1913, the Pujo Committee Committee of Congress studied the, the concentration of power in the banking industry and the Commission on Industrial Relations of the Senate held hearings on labor management conflict. Undoubtedly, ordinary people benefited to some extent from these changes. The system was rich, productive, complex. It could give enough of a share of its riches to enough of the working class to create a protective shield between the bottom and the top of society. A study of immigrants in New York between 1905 and 1915 finds that 32% of Italian and Jews rose out of the manual classes to higher level, although not to much higher levels But it was also true that many Italian immigrants did not find the opportunities inviting enough for them to stay. In one four-year period, 73 Italians left New York for every 100 that arrived. Still, enough Italians became construction workers, enough Jews became businessmen and professionals to create a middle-class cushioning for class conflict. Fundamental conditions did not change, however, for the vast majority of tenant farmers, factory workers, slum dwellers, miners, farm laborers, working men and women, black and white. Robert Wiebe sees in the progressive movement an attempt by the system to adjust to changing conditions in order to achieve more stability. Through rules with impersonal sanctions, it sought continuality and predictability in a world of endless change. It assigned a far greater power to government as it encouraged the centralization of authority. Harold Faulkner concluded that this new emphasis on strong government was for the benefit of the most powerful economic groups. Gabriel Coco calls it the emergence of political capitalism, where the businessmen took firmer control of the political system because the private economy was not efficient enough to forestall protest from below. The businessmen, Coco says, were not opposed to the new reforms. They initiated them. They pushed them to stabilize the cla- the capitalist system in a time of uncertainty and trouble. So what these, what capitalists were learning was that pure capitalism is too chaotic. It me it leads to too many horrific conditions for too many people so the people will uprise and fight back and they don't want that to happen so they realized okay if we have a strong centralized government that kind of sets some basic ground rules for business that'll help us all maintain our power and it works a lot more efficiently than just subjugating people to the you know biggest degree and What's kind of funny now is like working people have been so oppressed so badly and it's getting worse and worse. I kind of think that, you know, like at this time you had like FDR and you had this class of that you had some members of the capitalist class that realized, hey, we should give them some basic things so they don't revolt where I feel like these rich billionaires now have all forgotten that and they're all so right-wing fascist where they just want to, you know, they're all like Bezos where we make them piss in fucking jars and who cares if turnover is high, where they've forgotten this. And so it's going to be interesting in the next few decades as people continue to rise up and as conditions get worse and they have no choice but to revolt. Um, You know, I think that the capitalist class is kind of forgetting a, a lesson that they learned back then. And it also... I don't know, it just makes me hate capitalism as a whole system. And it's like, what, we're going to be... I just hate this back and forth where the oppressor oppresses you till life's unbearable, then we fight back and gain a little bit, but not too much, and then we kind of forget about it and fall back asleep, and then it gets worse again. And it's like, goddamn, when are we going to overthrow this whole fucking stupid system? I know,
0: I think about that when it comes to like the, the climate crisis and how we're basically... Yeah. How that that is going to be the X factor moving forward. Um, in these next few decades Because how that's going to change things You're going to have mass migrations from certain parts of the world You're going to have mass migrations to new parts of the world You're going to have those ethnic clashes. You're going to have those religious classes Clashes You're going to have uh, economic clashes Because countries will gain and lose um, popu- Populations or part of their populations Due to you know, where things are too hot in the summer Or too cold in the winter Or, or crops failure well, it's it's gonna be you're gonna have all these same things that happened at the turn of the 19th century and all the stuff we fought for and sorry at the turn of the 20th century um, to the 21st century which we live in now and the
1: 19th century and the 17th century yeah 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 and and, 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 but on top of that you're gonna have
0: an like X factor it's gonna be fucking climate change because like that's gonna be unpredictable the fact that you have fire wildfire smoke in Chicago and New York this whole summer so far. And that is even reaching down to the southeast where I'm at here in Atlanta. And then you have the ocean wet and down in Florida where the ocean is 5 to 10 degrees warmer than what it should be. So eventually the fish is going to fucking be boiling in the ocean.
1: <laughs> Did you see about how for next it's starting to happen where insurance companies are not covering like, giving hurricane insurance for houses in Florida? Because they're like, we know this is going to keep happening more and more. It's not going to be cost-effective to insure you. Yeah, so, well, like, that, and, that,
0: and that's the most fun thing about the capitalist class, too. Is that they know all this shit's going to go to shit. But these assholes yeah. are just going to keep making money until what? I, I'm assuming they're hoping that Elon, dumbass, will fucking figure out how to colonize Mars. Which, fucking, if you're way you th- don't, Elon must have colonized Mars. I got to fucking... Shitty blow up, blow up car Tesla to sell you.
1: They're bred to be so short sighted because, in a capitalist system, it's all about immediate profit. We got to get the numbers this quarter. Where the people that control the system are so fucking short sighted, they're not even thinking five years in advance.
0: Exactly. You know? So, so they're not going to all flee to some other planet and live there and everything's nice and shit like that. Um, they're stuck here with us. So, when shit hits the fan with climate change, we're all going to be fucked. Like the rich people and poor a lot,
1: and it's all happening so much faster than scientists predicted too. And I don't think, and it's and it's a a snowball effect. So it's gonna, you know, it compounds. It's just gonna keep getting worse and worse. And
0: and climate change is like terrifying because it's like a cut by a thousand, thousand. Yeah. It's death by a thousand cuts. It's not just like an asteroid hitting the planet and just wiping us out in one swift swoop, or like nuclear war, or like a super volcano. It's like multiple fucking different things happening all at once.
1: And it's interesting because, like, okay, the bugs are dying and we need the fucking bees um, to, you know, to grow food. And then the soil, we've been, we've been doing poor um, Farm- farming like practices. Yeah. yeah, so we're destroying the soil so then we won't have any food also. And also clean, reusable fresh water is running out as well. So, like... You know, like, all right, yeah, a hazy day in New York and Chicago, a hazy summer, like, we can deal with it. Like, that's not, but when you, there's no way to deal with no water and no food, you know? Like, there's no mental state. You can't put on a pot, you know, have a positive, you know, meditate and be positive about not having food and water and air to breathe, you know?
0: Exactly. So, I mean, and the sad thing is, like, we're going to uphold this this system until all the shit hits the fan because it's already hitting the fan. And we're just like, I just think of that damn meme with the dog in the house on fire. This is yep. fine. And I and I and I know that I like if someone changed that meme where it's like this is not fine they have the dog like fucking there with a water hose putting out the fucking fire. And that's what the fuck we need to do. Um we need to and and, and what I do appreciate about this socialist Ch- challenge chapter is that it did show you that there is a an alternative way of running things. And yet this, you know, socialism communism. They were demonized back then, and they've been demonized even more since then because the powers that be know that this, this ideology can up in their you know, gravy train. And in capitalism, the genius of this system is that it is adaptable and it's convinced enough people that one day, just one day, with one lucky break, <laughs> they'll be invited to the party. And like George Carlin said, and I love that quote, it's a big club and you ain't in it because that's the truth but that's what capitalism is for people that so many people think one day they'll be rich one day I'll be rich I'll be in, I'll get to go to the Met Gala with AOC and and and, and Rihanna and hang out with the famous people and no you fucking peasant you're not like where where
1: you what's funny too is i think about you know we've said socialism a lot on this episode specifically about this podcast in general and i just feel it's funny to me that there will be st- You know, there would be some in society where they would listen to this podcast or this episode and, oh my God, socialist, socialist, demon, 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 where I know you and I, we don't get, you can call it socialism, you can call it, like, we don't give a fuck what you call it. What we're talking about is one, surviving, (laughs) like surviving, you know, having an environment where humans can flourish and survive. And then on top of that, being able to live in peace with dignity, that's all we want. So it's like, you can call it whatever you want. All I know is this economic, I don't like to call myself anti-capitalist just because I don't like to base my whole ideology around being against against something. I want to be for something. But just what I'm for is workers' rights, human rights, minority rights, you know, even fucking, (laughs) I hate all the terms like minorities is like such a stupid fucking term. Yeah. I saw a stand up comedian. He was an Indian stand up comedian. and He went to India and he was like, Oh my God, look at all these minorities. There's a billion of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's such a bullshit term. It is. Yeah, it's like so is. We're not minorities. We're the majority. So, um, yeah, I mean, these, these things you can call it communism, you can call it socialism, you can call it anarchism, you can call it whatever. I mean, I don't like to labels per se, but the fact that Marathon, I'm with you, Brian. Human rights. Uh, gender equality, LGBTQ rights, um, pe- let people be people. I mean, I don't, I don't, like, I, I was going in because Russia just, so on, on Instagram I started some shit because um, I, I didn't mean you? to, no. but, you know, it happens. But uh, Russia basically banned um, treatment for uh, trans youths, uh, gender-affirming treatment. And I was like, oh, so the Russia, Russia the Russian government and the U.S. government I guess they have something in common, taking away rights from LGBTQ, LGBTQ people. <laughs> and you know, people were in the you know, comments and stuff like that. And then some asshole came in and was like, No one, no, no one should force a separate gender on a child. It's, it's child abuse. And I'm like, Oh, oh, you know what the fuck is? No, it's indoctrination, indoctrination. I'm like, No, well, there's like the millions of billions of people across the world who indoctrinate their children into a church that's been fucking molesting children for centuries. The Catholic Church, that's indoctrination right there. You're not against that shit. Because like I, I haven't seen a drag queen priest touch a child. I've seen fucking priests touch a child and get fucking yep. re- relocated to the point where there's a whole fucking section of the New York Times that you can go to that's updated quite all the time that shitty magazine. they are talking about abuses of the Catholic Church. And there's other sources too that's not as shitty as the New York Times. But you can find the this
1: Department is- of Justice is investigating the Catholic Church in like every state. And in Illinois, it just came out. They found like 20,000 cases since like the early 70s.
0: So I'm like, it's not drag queens to fucking worry about. It's fucking priests. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I always bring that. Up. Yeah. All this weird groomer shit with like, it's just, it's like that excuse of like, oh, if women vote, they'll, they'll they won't be feminine anymore. It's all this hysteria around. Trans people is just—it's just
0: absolutely. Yeah, when they well, like a compromise and... like one percent of the fucking population, as someone changes their pronouns and wants to, you know, change their gender and they're of sound mind and of a reasonable age, I don't give a flying fuck. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that like you know you you force your four year old to be like one pick a gender or something like that. They're four. They they fucking they their life. But is... again,
1: that that that's a false equivalent. There's no. No, it's forcing a, them. There, children of gay people are not any more or less likely to be gay than children of straight people. Oh, exactly. That's, not that's not what they, I mean. Where like the indoctrination is happening is with religious people who are forcing their gay children to, to you know, to live a straight, straight life. That's or, the, or not where the indoctrination. Or forcing them to go on.
0: to this fucking church where that fucking pastor or preach a preacher or pastor or priest is going to fucking molest them or some shit like that, and then they would be or all ki- fucked or up. Or
1: kicking them onto the streets. Oh, yeah, kicking them out the, the street.
0: Yeah. The, 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 uh,
1: the amount of homeless people who are, you people? know, LGBTQ, I, I think it's like 40%, 45%, which is crazy higher than the average population, which oh, yeah, shows yeah. you LGBT have a bunch U- of asshole U- parents U- kicking U- their children are out are More the
0: likely to be, you know, kicked out this, kicked out on the street. Mm-hmm. More likely to deal with um, uh, mental health issues um They have a whole entire society that's telling them that something's wrong with them when there's nothing wrong with them. That's just who they are, and no mm-hmm. one's forcing any, no one's adopting any little kids. Drag kings, or queens, or drag kings and drag queens are not forcing little kids. And I know there's people like, oh, you send them to a pride parade. There's naked men there and naked women. I'm like, first off, you, you don't, you don't like it's a pride parade. You know what's fucking going down in the pride parade? Don't fucking bring your kids. Yeah, they have kid-friendly pride stuff. And oh, they have but grown-up these are stuff. the
1: same people that, like, bring their kids to Hooters or, like, hey, watch a football game with some cheerleaders with their tits
0: exactly. out. Exactly. You know? oh, so I'm just like, look, fine, like, they see know? naked ass all the time. So what the fuck? So either either you don't want children to see any of that, and you should not let them fucking do that. But, like, we don't send, we don't have strip clubs where kids go to. I mean, I know there's some pedals out there who probably would love that type of strip club, but. We don't do that. So there's adult-only spaces, and that's fine. There's child children's spaces, all right? And that, that's absolutely fine. We don't want to see, go to Disneyland and see fucking Cinderella giving a strip tease. <laughs> I mean, unless you're into that, but not at Disney World, all right? You know, with your kids and shit there. You know, <laughs> behind your closed doors, if you and your missus want to dress up like Cinderella and Prince Charming, you know, go ahead all, all the way. That's that's actually an idea I need to write down, <laughs>
1: As long as Cinderella's white <laughs> Exactly <laughs> Just like Santa Claus is white God damn it yeah. Man, He just bunny. is
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oh my god that's, that's the I think that was Charlie Kirk That was a new one Where it's racist to make snow white Not white It's just like <laughs> My god like these these people project so much of their own bigotry onto the other side that's not doing it it's just so fucking but it's funny so stupid. if it wasn't it's so like tragic fictional I
0: characters who gives a shit they're not real i, I know what's like, like and one of megan kelly who were like santa claus is white yeah and like you're he gonna just die kids heel. he just is like, white and it's just like santa claus is not real i know it's like he could be whatever he want. He could He's be like a the Easter for Bunny, all the characters. leprechauns, Jesus. They're all fake, fictional characters. Mm-hmm. They're like the yeah. X Men. I mean, shit, they're not real.
1: <laughs> That's what I mean it. Just like shows your own bigotry if you get upset about a fictional character being a race that you don't like. It's just like so. Oh man, this I, I tell you this. One of the main lessons I learned from tripping on acid was like reality is a fucking trip. Like this sober reality is a fucking freak show into <laughs> like, oh, the highest yeah. order, and like you can't make up how fucking nuts people can get. It's oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, on that note, um, I thought this was an awesome chapter, and it looks like the uh, the next chapter he's going to get into the the state's response to too much. Uh, socialism, which is, uh, let's go to war. Go fight in some wars, then you won't be thinking about... It. I saw a cool quote that was, uh, um, only those who aren't rowing have time to rock the boat. And I think uh, he's kind of going to get into that a little bit in the next chapter, how war um, oftentimes has been a, a pacifier to the public to stop them from resisting their own government.
0: So. Well, as this related to nowadays, um, There, uh, Biden just increased the number of troops to Europe. So... We could be, yeah. we could be slowly marching towards war with Russia, you know, for Biden to win the 2024 election because he's a decent man.
1: <laughs> hey, there's some good news. Maybe we don't have to worry about climate change because we're all gonna blow each other up in a nuclear holocaust. Yay! Yay! Well, on, the, on
0: that on that uplifting note, Brian, as always, our shows are so uplifting. I hope you are inspired, people who listen to this podcast. All five of you. We appreciate you so much. <laughs> Hell
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, don't don't get apathetic. Uh, fight back uh, is a lesson I have to keep repeating to myself all the time. Um, but uh, no, genuinely, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. You're awesome. I love hearing from you um, just about episodes in the podcast and things. Um, if you can, you know, we don't really do any promotions. We don't got no commercials or nothing like that. So whatever review likes, uh, listens will will help us a lot. Um, don't forget to follow us on Q, uh, at Q Culture, Q U E Culture. Um, there, when we have our regular episodes, we we share all the links and doc- and books and things uh, for each episode. Um, also, don't forget to check out uh, Lornette's blog, The Evolving Man Project. Um, and yeah, keep on fighting. Uh, thanks for listening. Remember to question everything. Everything. or opinions expressed on this podcast belong solely to Brian and Lornette and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that Brian and Lornette may or may not be associated with in any professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.